Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this day of national remembrance. That video we just watched said that you're a God who heals and restores. Lord, we... We need that healing and restoring more than ever before. Lord, there's a lot of things to remember about that day. I pray we would remember, not, not just as an individual, but as a nation, our need for you. It seems impossible that as a nation we would acknowledge that. But I believe you're the God of the impossible. Lord, may we not stop praying for these things that are right and good and true, as distant and as impossible as they might be. Lord, you see this body of people here today looking up to you, acknowledging you, calling out to you. And I know we join like-minded believers all across our commonwealth, all across our great nation. God, see us calling out to you and as We've thought much about this morning, God, in your mercy, may you move to restore and to heal this land. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. Well, it's wonderful to see you guys today. Gosh, what a morning it's been, huh? 20 people baptized. I think that's a good thing. I I think that's a good moment we've gotten to... See and experience and be a part of them. Of course, six of them at the other at the other service. And uh, but man, thank you, Jesus, for letting us see and be a part of that. And uh, you know, I, I I love and appreciate Dale every day and his ministry every to us every Sunday. But uh, man, aren't you grateful to see how God holds him and speaks through him and ministers to us this morning? I'm. I'm very grateful for that, but uh, so a, a, a good day here already. So uh, about this time last year, actually it was October 10th, uh, I got up and, and shared with you that we were making a tweak, an adjustment. It wasn't a whole new thing, but we were changing some things in the vision of our church. Now the, the prior vision said in the next 10 years. And that went into place in 2017. Well, 2021 is not 10 years later, for those of you a little slow on math. We, we were only four years into a vision, and yet we, we were up tweaking, adjusting. Why was that? Well, something we've all gotten very used to saying, 2020. And I'm not talking about a, a, a virus. I, I am talking about what we traveled through in 2020, 2020. 21. It is still very much going today. Uh, it just feels like we've entered a new place as, as a culture. And we felt like things had changed so much, so dramatically, that our, our vision needed to be in response to that, in light of that. So in light of where we felt like we had come, we presented last year, again, October 10th, this vision in three years, not 10 We will be a church our communities cannot imagine being without by training 500 people to live and share the gospel. You know, when we hear the word gospel, I think we just think of sharing, right? We're we're either sharing the gospel or receiving the gospel. But that's actually two different things up there. 
Sharing, yes, that's a good word, but living, living the gospel, living and sharing the gospel and planning our presence in 30 new locations through campuses, ongoing Bible studies, and ministries. Now, what I want to focus on today is that training of 500 people. We're, we're a year into this. When we gave ourselves three years, we're one year into it, and so far we have trained roughly, give or take, zero. So just excellent leadership, I thought, on my part. Uh, no, I like a good sprint to the finish. <laughs> no, actually, that, if you'll remember, I, I said on that day, we don't actually know what that discipleship, that training looks like. We, we, we're not clear here yet about what it is we're trying to accomplish or, or where we're trying to go. The context for all that, the context for the training, the context of this vision was a burden I felt as a pastor, our pastoral staff, our church. Are we really are we really training people to know and to love God? Equipping, encouraging, helping people to live for that God. Now, if I just stop the sentence right there, I think, I think I could point to a lot of things and say, yes, 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 absolutely. But it's the rest of the sentence that became my burden in, in a culture that is increasingly antagonistic to Christianity. You and I have enjoyed a, a 250, 400-year run on the continent of North America of pursuing faith in Christ with little to no cost. Very few of us have ever felt any challenge. Now, when I say very few of us, individually, yes. Throughout that, this entire 400-some years, individuals could have been persecuted, could have been attacked. Life could have been made more difficult for them because they were believers. But as a whole, that's not been the case. I think that's what's starting to change. That's what I'm referring to in 2020. It is going to cost to be a Christian. And you and I are going to be more and more quiet anywhere other than this room about the fact that we're a Christian. Are we a church equipping people for that moment. I'd love to think I'm wrong and that's not going to happen, but I think we're already down the road on that. I, I don't think I'm just guessing here. And so that's what I had in mind. Well, are we really helping? And, and so that's where we were thinking, hey, we want to train 500 people. And I say I, we didn't have anything in mind. I had some things in mind, and it goes back to what I said last Sunday, what I've actually said a number of times, if you'll start to remember, I'm thinking of those first century believers who were incredibly persecuted, who, who lost their lives to the tune of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, simply for claiming the name Christ. And they didn't have the resources we have. They didn't have the training we have, the buildings, facilities, they didn't have any of that. And yet they reached an empire. How? How did they do it? Lord, with all we've got, why are we not, why are we not doing it? And so it was kind of in that idea that I thought, you know, it had to be the transference of some really simple ideas that they could quickly learn, quickly duplicate, and, and share. And so I, I had it already in my mind. I presented it to the staff. I had like 10 Wednesday nights 
And, you know, I'm going to teach it myself. It's my burden. It's my passion. On Wednesday night, I'm going to have a classroom. We have 50 people in there, and I've got my lectern. I've got the whiteboard. I've got the TV. Let's go. And, and I think it was Jerry or, or Jordan. That they're actually arguing about which one of them said it. But it's a brilliant statement. It's a brilliant statement. They said, you know, Pastor, when you do that, what you transfer might be good, but they can't duplicate that. None of them are going to leave that room and go get 50 friends and put them in a building on Wednesday night with a whiteboard and a video and the books. They can't duplicate that. Maybe, maybe what we, maybe in the very training and giving of this information, it needs to be in how they would turn around and do that. And so because they thought they had a better grasp than us on this than I did, they kidnapped my burden and passion. They took it from me. I wasn't even invited to the meetings. I didn't know when they met. I think they met at night when I wasn't here. I, I don't know when they did it, but here we are a year later, and they've got something pretty incredible that we want to share with you tonight. Guys, as a matter of fact, guys, why don't, why don't you come on up and get in place? They've put together something that we're calling the essentials, and uh, the essentials will be trained, discipled, learned, shared in learning to have six conversations, not six lectures, but in learning to have six conversations. And so that's what they're going to share with us now. We've got Jordan West. This is our young adult pastor. Ronnie West, our uh, education. education pastor. Ronnie's new on staff. I don't really... We haven't put a sign up on the door yet. Uh, we have Jerry Witt, our next-gen pastor, and Wes Rose. I think you said brilliant a while ago. Uh, what's that? You said brilliant. 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 If it was Jordan and I, brilliant. You know, it may have I'll – give, I'll give it this. I'm pretty sure it was me that said it. Pretty but sure. I thought it was I, me. I, I will say this, though. If I said it, I will say that Jerry was one of my mentors, so he taught it. He just oh, said, yeah. there we go. There we go. Right. It's, it's, it's a generational I'm going to step on down. That was awesome. So this, <laughs> this Thanks, is Jerry, the, the, the team that stole my idea and uh, has been working on this the last year and, and put together uh, these six conversations. So let, let's start with, with that. Just big picture overview. What is, what are the six conversations? Yeah, so the six conversations really are going to be a DNA shift for us that is pushing towards relational discipleship. And again, I, I kind of made the joke earlier, but that's something that I've learned from my experience actually growing up here at the church. I, I stand on the panel with all of you guys who have invested in me in a way, and as much as your preaching is amazing, the conversations that you've had with me off the pulpit are probably more life-changing to me than what was on the platform. And so this really clicked to me, though, uh, after you presented, by the way, it was like 19 things. Oh, you're getting that, all caught up in numbers. It was 19 <laughs> things that, that you were going to lecture on. Uh, no, you presented it, and you said, hey, this isn't even an outline. This is just an idea, and I'm working through this. I want to see what you guys think. Um, and I had had so many conversations with my wife, Sarah, uh, with Kyle Gibson, who's in the back, um, and his wife, Alexandra. And we were just sitting there, and we talked about what discipleship could look like mm -hmm. and, and, and looked like for us. And we came to that conclusion that it was just conversations that we had with one another. And when we looked 
and, and people that invested in us. And when we looked at what Jesus did, that's what he did too. He got 12 guys and walked with them and many more people obviously yeah. as well, but walked with them for three years and had conversations about how to live out your faith. And so then he leaves and he ascends into heaven and he says in Matthew 28 that you're supposed to go do that too. You're supposed to go make disciples. And so this ministry of discipleship is for all of us, all of us believers, to go and make more disciples. And well, that's really tough because for me, man, I'm the part of that generation of, of people that are deconstructing. And I look at some of my friends that I grew up with and they... They no longer claim the faith or, or say they just came to something new. And so it needed to be more than just a pass of knowledge. It had to be a, a pass of wisdom, which is knowledge applied. And uh, the, the best example that I began to think of is the gospel, which Paul writes. And he says, the gospel is simply this, that Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Not complicated. Maybe unbelievable, but not complicated <laughs> And yet, if we apply that knowledge to our lives, it changes every single thing. And so we kind of work through as, the, as a staff, and I know we brought this to our, our ministerial and all staff again, and we went through and whittled down and whittled down to six things that are essential for anyone that's going to follow Jesus Christ. And it's that transference of wisdom. How do you apply this knowledge? So here are the six conversations that'll come up. Number one is... The gospel, and Randy, you talked about this last week. This is the three circles conversation, and we're just talking from brokenness, the gospel, back to God's design. And that, again, if we apply that to our lives, it changes everything. Number two is how to share the gospel. We can't just know the gospel. We have to apply it to our lives. If we apply it to our lives, then we will be burdened to share it with others. But this is practical. Hey, what's a good way to share the gospel? How do I share what God has done in my life? How do I prepare a testimony? That's a very important conversation. Number three is how to read the Bible. And this, we're gonna ask three questions. What is the Bible, whatever passage we're reading? What does it teach me about God? What does it teach about myself? And how do I apply it? It's a great tool every time that you read the Bible. That was your idea, by the way. Uh, conversation four is how to pray. We'll, we'll give you some good models and some, some guidelines in prayer to keep you focused. I'm, I can be distracted really easy, so that's really helpful for me. But also, how, how to use the, the scripture to, to pray and how to use that to guide your prayer life. Conversation five is how to live in Christian community. I hear it so often that I can follow Jesus and not go to church. So it's actually a question that a lot of people are wondering. Why would I go to church? What is church membership? What is church accountability? Should I even go to church? Those conversations will be very important and very essential and foundational to anybody who's following Jesus. And then lastly, this is where we turn the key. It's how to make disciples. Again, all of this is dependent on the application. And so if you go through these six conversations, at the very end, you will have a discussion. How do you then go forward and make more disciples. It's all about making disciple makers. Okay. So I want to ask a question, and I already know your answer, and everybody in here already knows your answer. You know, I'm, I want to ask, can anyone do this? And we all know they're going to say yes, right? All of us, every one of us, I think, is that, yeah, that, I mean, that looks interesting. I can see myself wanting to know that, receiving that information. But then you, that last part, you know... 
the role of a discipler, the role of a teacher. I would imagine more than one of us in here doesn't see ourselves as a discipler of another person, a teacher of another person. So in that context, can really anyone do this? Yes. 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 It's a double double team. Hey, Randy, I think the... uh, I think it's an important question because when when you look at that list, it actually can be intimidating. How, how can I talk about all six of those things? Mm-hmm. What, I've not been doing it. How can I do that? And, yeah. and so we've really, uh, we, we stressed uh, in developing these conversations, this idea of, of making them very simple because if they're simple, then they can, they can be, uh, become b- very much part of our DNA, or they can come a part of who we are, and we can replicate natural, them. It'd be yes, natural it be for us natural to talk about it. And, and, yeah. and transferable, and, and, and they can be replicated. I think the thing is, uh, you know, the, the Great Commission, as we've been mentioning, hey, go into all the world and make disciples, is, is, is much bigger than us. And so we have an opportunity as individual believers, as individual Christ followers, to be a part of something bigger than we are. It's not Ronnie-sized, but it's God-sized. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and we even capture that thought in our, uh, our mission statement, uh, building relationships that connect all people to God-sized life and love. And so this idea that, hey, this is bigger than me is really important. And also the idea is that, that or motivating me, is that I can actually make a difference in other people's lives. Me. And it doesn't matter. You know, uh, you can say, sure, that's good for you, Ronnie, because all of y'all are pastors up there. But actually, it doesn't matter if you've been uh, coming to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night for 50 years, or if you were one of the people that were baptized this morning. It doesn't matter because we have actually developed the conversations in such a way that it's simple and can be replicated. And we just want you to kind of go through those things so that, again, you can do it with others. Okay. So last year, about the same time we presented this tweak to our vision, we also started. And when I say last year, up through last Sunday. Last Sunday, I stood right there and I didn't. I tell you, everybody here needs to take starting point. Have you all heard me say that? You know what I'm talking about. So I've been saying for a year now, everyone has to take starting point. It sounds a little bit like I'm getting ready to start saying, everybody needs to take essentials. Can we not decide what everybody needs to, to take? Are they supposed to just, are we just heaping one thing on top of another? Uh, you know, some of them have to work and like pay bills and things. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good question because yeah, it's, we're rolling things out. And, and the good the good. The good answer and the good um, idea that we want to take is that it is connected. Starting point, essentials, all this stuff is connected. We introduce a, a term or a concept in starting point. We talk about this journey of life that we're, that everybody's on. And um, we take it to the next level. So listen, it's not just existing and just making it through this week, through next week, through next week, and just kind of going through life. But it should be a journey of a lifetime, right? It should be some excitement there. And so when starting point, we really do. We, we talk about who God is. We talk about the three circles. We, we talk about who we are as a church. The people that we're living life with is all part of starting point. Then we break it down, and they're doing it today, where you're talking about who am I? How did God wire me? What, you know, if I became a Christian, how can I do these things? And we package all of those up to give a great, a great foundation going forward. And so we've seen... Okay, we understand who God is. We understand this church and these people that we're living life with. 
and I have a good understanding of who I am and what God has gifted me. Now what do I do with it? And we realize, hey, there's, there are tools that we need. There are things that we need to have to start this journey, this journey of a lifetime that's not just in and out, but it is something that is it's God's plan for us. And so we said, yeah, that's where there's this whole idea of what are the essential things that we need to have to take with us on this journey. Yeah, and I would add to that, you know, starting point is exactly that, right? It's a, it's a, a starting, starting point. point yeah. And it's three sessions, and it's in a classroom, and, and, you know, you get to know about some of these things that we've talked about. And that's important for all of us to share that in common because that's important information that will help us. But with... <clears throat> The essentials of the journey, the, the conversations, that's not just three weeks. Randy, that's something that we can take with us and be putting into place in our lives and being a part of what God is. I can be a part of what God is doing for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that can happen in a lot of different places, not just in church. It can happen anywhere else. But it's not just three weeks. It's the rest of my life. We okay. keep doing this. So somebody's been a believer for 30 years. Somebody's been a believer for 30 minutes. We come in here sometimes with different church backgrounds or no background. But at starting point, all of a sudden, we all have a, a common starting point here at the Heights. And then through the essentials, we now have a common ministry. So a real unity in how we live and do Christ through the church here at the Heights. So... It's six conversations. Is this like six 15-minute conversations, six one-hour conversations? Can it even be done in six conversations? Anybody help me with that? It's my turn. It's your turn, Jerry. Yeah, the six conversations, they are designed for you to do them anytime, any place that you're at, depending what context and situation you're in. And so who do you share it with? I mean, you can start sharing it with uh, your friends, uh, close friends, maybe family, husbands, Randy, wives. I, I mean, Jerry, I'm going to start with my wife. Tina? Yeah. She needs Jesus, so you need to share it with her. So, uh, uh, yeah, so you can share it with anyone, anywhere, in any place that you're at. So hopefully if you get... Uh, to the point where you're comfortable with them. Uh, they come up in really natural conversations. Uh, matter of fact, we've been working on it for several months here, so we've all had some opportunities to kind of test drive them a little bit. And so I, I've had a couple times where the conversation about talking to someone about our church, and so, and, hey, that's one of the conversations. Let me talk about the importance of community, and I took that conversation to leverage the other five conversations with that. And so also, I think we mentioned the last service, uh, how we kind of roll this out to our congregation, they're going to be accessible to you. You're going to put them on our church app and some other place where you can find them at. So we'll go through this with you. But yeah, they can happen anytime, any place, no matter where you're at, as God opens the door. But I think the one thing I, I mentioned too, it's important. Second uh, Corinthians 5.14 says, God's love compels us uh, to, to share our faith and share the gospel with other people. If you're not compelled uh, to do it, the conversations mean nothing to you, right? And so if you're not compelled, I think it's a deeper question that we need to figure out. Why am I not compelled to share uh, the good news of Jesus with people? So I think we need to think about that as well. Okay. So where to from here? It's a good question. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, one thing we want to talk about, you know, the idea is we're trying to train 500 people, right? Yeah. And so sometimes you say, well, what does this look like? Or how long does it take? Or how, where, where are we at? And I think one of the important ideas is to understand that each conversation is going to be uh, significantly impacted by personality 
and even the relationship of the person you're with. Uh, you know, if, you're, if you have a strong relationship where you're feeling very comfortable, it, you know, there's a lot of give and take, those could be taken longer. If you're Jerry, that conversation is going to take 15 minutes, right? It's action-packed 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're like me and my conversation, I had a great conversation on Wednesday night, but we had toddlers running around and baby sharks screaming in the background, and it took an hour and a half. Yeah, it took an hour. So uh, we've designed, again, these, these conversations between somewhere... 30 minutes to an hour, and it's and, and the beauty of it, it's not something that you have to memorize. It's very intuitive. It's very natural, and and we'll have the helps and the be you know the assistance to be able to make those things happen. Make yeah, that. and I will say as with the resources, um, when you're in a conversation, these are relationships that you have existing, so they're not just strangers off the street, and um, and it's okay as you're going through this to say I don't know. I mean, I use that all the time, and it helps me out get through life over here. But, uh, you know, when we're talking, you know, the, the shift, if we were just trying to get 500 people trained, we could have Randy do a sermon, and in six weeks, it's done. Yeah, you know, right. It's not, I, we could go through the six conversations, six conversations on Sundays. That's not, that's not what this is about. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's kind of the enigma of the kingdom of God, where it's coming and it is now here, right? Yeah. And so uh, we have this prepared. This is a tool for discipleship. But the way that it rolls out is starting first with our pastoral leadership. What we're going to do is we're going to take these conversations and we will disciple people within our ministries. And that will continue to roll out and roll out. And again, this ministry of discipleship is not a pastoral ministry. It's the ministry of God's church, which includes you. And so as we continue to roll out, it may take some time for this kind of DNA shift to happen. Uh, so I'm not saying just wait and it'll get to you, but it, it will get but to you. But wait and it'll get to you. Yeah. So I don't go out and sign up for something today. No. What, what do I do? If I, I mean, I'm excited and I just sit and wait. Well, that's really cool. You know, once again, I think the big DNA shift is not a classroom, right? It's a lifestyle. Uh, I'm actively discipling people in your life. So, hey, where you can begin, actually, our pastor last week did uh, the three circles presentation of the gospel. That's the very first conversation. So you can start right now when you walk out of this building to share that with your husband, your wife, your friend, uh, someone who came to church with you. But you can start that first conversation right now so you don't have to wait until... Uh, you know, a few weeks or a few months down the road, we get the app. You can actually start the first conversation right now. So the very first conversation is the gospel. So I encourage you uh, to look out and your friends, your relationships, uh, and look here. Here's someone I can share the three circles with, and I encourage you. They don't have. They can be a believer. It helps you just to practice it, right, and to get good at it. But ask God the lace on your heart to start that first conversation with you. Start that right now. Amen. Amen. Hey, you guys, thank them for helping us out today and presenting that. Good job, guys. So uh, you're excited. I hope you're excited. Did that sound doable? It sounds very New Testament-ish to me. Uh, I, I think we have, have really landed on something. So it is a little bit frustrating to say, now just sit and wait. You know, but what that means is, I don't know, December, March, somewhere somebody's going to come up to you and say, hey, I just learned how to have these six conversations. Can I do that with you? And they're not saying, I'm smarter than you, I'm more spiritual than you, I'm further down the road than you. They're saying, hey, I just learned these six conversations. Can I share them with you? The, the great many of these conversations are just going to be happening in here among friends. 
I, I actually believe it'll be quite a while before a significant number of us are, are going out there and having these conversations with friends, family, and, and, and people outside of the walls of the church. As we've said, this is going to start slow, but that's kind of the power of multiplying discipleship. It starts slow, and then it becomes a flood. And so be, when somebody says, can I share these with you, your answer is yes, yes, I want to be able to learn that. And folks, this is going to just wonderfully, powerfully put us in a place of meeting the mission of our church. Now, I said mission not vision. You said, I thought we were talking about the vision of the 500. You know, I'm kind of guilty of continually promoting our vision and, and not stating as much our mission. You say, what is the difference? The vision is what you do in a context, what you do in a set period of time to accomplish the mission. The mission is the bigger thing that we're about. And our mission is to build relationships that connect all people to a God-sized life and love. Now, do you see that in conversation number one, you're helping somebody find a God-sized love? In conversations two through six, you're helping somebody find a God-sized life. Folks, we're, we're talking about doing what God told us to do. And we talked about that last week and the power that that can have. And again, it's not positive thinking. It's not motivational speaking. We got history behind this. We have the first century, the second century church and what they did in the Roman Empire. Do you want to be a believer worthy of the gospel? That's a big statement. I'm, I'm a believer worthy. It almost sounds, is that a trick question? <laughs> you know, to act like I'm worthy of that. You know, it's actually a command in your life to be worthy of the gospel. And look what that command looks like. Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now look at all of these relational ideas here. Standing firm in one spirit. That's all of us together in one spirit, one mind, striving where? Side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened. My burden, my passion, a church family not frightened in anything by our opponents. I don't want to live a life frightened of taking the name of Christ. I want to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's be that people, amen? Let's pray. Father, you have told us to commit our plans, to commit our works unto you, and you will establish them. God, that's all we've got is what you're going to do here. As, as Dale communicated so effectively, all, all we bring to the equation is our sin. God, we bring ideas, we bring plans, we bring desires, we lay them at your feet. And Lord, I ask that through starting point, through the essentials, through the journey, God, through these things, do more than we even know to pray. Do more in our individual lives, do more in our church than we can even imagine. So that instead of being frightened and cowering in the presence of our culture, we actually 
actually become a source where they can find a God-sized life and God-sized love. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.